course, if you do a comparison between St. Luke's, Luke's Gospel and St. Matthew's Gospel, there's enough differences to let you know that they weren't exactly copying each other, which plagiarism or whatever, although that was fairly common. They would take a, uh, a story or whatever and they would write it in such a way. But uh, so some scholars are a little perturbed by the fact that St. Luke records a different um, prayer that Jesus teaches than uh, he taught in St. Matthew. But that shouldn't disturb us much because Jesus, as a prayer, probably was developing the prayer uh, and um, a more simple prayer that we find in, in St. Luke's Gospel and then a little bit more elaborate and uh, calling to mind our dependence on the Father a little bit more in, of course, St. Matthew's. It shouldn't disturb us because there, there's... I use the analogy, all of us relate to mutual friends differently, uh, and, uh, uh, and at different times in our lives, we relate to our, uh, our friends in different, different ways. And so Jesus inviting us to relate to our Father, uh, all of us, in different ways, again, is fine. But I, I, my mind goes to this first reading. I love the book of Jonah. I, I may have shared it before, but I find it a whale of a tale. It's just, it's just so good, but there's something fishy about it. Uh, <clears throat> yes, I, I was holding that one back. But uh, you know the story well enough, and you've heard it the last two days of the first day on Monday. We heard how God had called Mo, uh, Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach uh, 40 days more and shall be destroyed. And, the way he acted, you get the sense he didn't care about Nineveh. Nineveh was a pagan city, uh, even yet today. Uh, Nineveh is a modern Iraq. Uh, there's a lot of animosity between the people of Iraq and, and uh, the Jewish people of Israel, or Jews, Jews in general, <clears throat> all that. But that animosity was, just didn't start existing 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 700 years or 1,300 years. It's been long seated. And Jonah knowing these are Gentiles, these are people, said, yeah, I don't care if they're destroyed. 30 to 40 days more, so what? Why give them the warning? You notice God did not give Jonah a condition. There was no condition. And as a prophet, if what he proclaimed, God had told them to proclaim, and it was something that was to happen, didn't happen, he'd be shown as a false prophet. And so 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. It wasn't convert your lives or else, or, or, or unless you do something or else. It was clear. So Jonah, it was easier. Why should I go to Nineveh, proclaim 40 days more? Because it's going to happen anyway. Or, or so he goes the other way, of course. He's thrown into the sea because of the storm and they spit up on the shore. Okay, God, I'll go. Forty days more, and Nineveh will be destroyed, and even the king hears about it. And I, I keep—it's I, a fantastic story. Can you imagine trying to dress cattle in sackcloth and make them sit in ashes, make them fast? But they were so sincere about the conversion; even that was what they were instructed to do. And today, uh, we, you know, God sees their their conversion and, and and relents. And then we pick up today, and Jonah's ticked to use. He was, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's French, but pardon it anyway. He's angry. <laughs> See, I told you something like this was going to happen. God, that you were going to be merciful. I told you. I, again, you get the sense he'd rather have them wiped off the face of the earth. 
And if he's going to be a prophet, he'd rather be a good prophet than now seen as a questionable prophet. The problem is he was too successful. And he's angry, and God sends the gourd plant. And he's not so angry. And he enjoys the coolness of the shade until God sends a worm. And then he's angry, angry enough to die. (laughs) And I find in, in that story, my own story, how many times have I held out anger towards the Lord for being merciful to someone that I, I, I'd rather have them smote from the face of the earth and strike them with lightning, Lord. Let nothing left be left except cinder and ash. Well, not quite that bad. How many times does the Lord not give us what we think we want? And he sends us sometimes the littlest thing, the littlest reminder, a little worm, Maybe a little virus, maybe, maybe a, a, a little uh, snide word that, that calls us out of our stupor, and we begin to understand and realize God is merciful. That we begin to realize it's not only that God is merciful to me, but God is merciful to, even to those I don't like, even those that I would rather see destroyed. And it's a call to conversion. This whole story, of course, is about conversion. And so often we just look at the conversion of the uh, people of Nineveh. Yes, their their conversion was real and total. Even the cattle following under the king's edict. But really it's the conversion of Jonah. Is he going to allow God to be God? Is he going going to allow God to be merciful to the people of Nineveh? Or is he going to be angry? And God says, look, I I love them. I care for them. I created them. Should I not have mercy on them? They they, they can't even tell the right hand from the... They don't even know what they're doing. Should I not save them? 120,000 strong? Not to mention the cattle. (laughs) That has to be the funniest line of all the scriptures. But God is merciful this day to allow God to be God in our lives. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, of course, St. Bruno, the founder of the Carthusians, um, uh, how he understood he had to let God be God and saw the life of isolation and silence and prayer in the Carthusians, 300 throughout the world, give or take, uh, yet today praying for the entire world and and living that model that he uh, established that the cross stands firm while the world turns. I think that's what Jonah forgot is not that he knew about the cross, but that God is going to be firm when all the world is not going as we desire it. That God stands firm, and if we're with God, we are firm.